Welcome to Storehouse Dallas. Um, anyway, so I am calling everybody. Well, wait a minute. Uh, David, so I want to talk about uh, Frisbee, Ultimate Frisbee, a great story. Years ago, John and I, when we used to play Ultimate Frisbee, like every Sunday with our community, um, uh, D- John and I would go out there and we're like, you know, in our 50s, and we're like, whew, man, this is awesome. Who thought this sport was a good idea? So here we've got all of these young people, young, they're in their 30s. And uh, and so they're running and running and running. And for those of you that don't know anything about ultimate frisbee, it's a game. It's a it's a sport that you never stop running. You know, Sandin used to play. I mean, we had the whole gang out there. Anyway, there was this one Sunday where John was diving after David Porcadu, and he grabbed him and and ended up catching the pocket of his favorite pants. He rips these pants. He's got this huge uh, tear in his pants. He's got blood everywhere, all over his knees and everything. And I mean, he was in really bad shape. He didn't care about the blood. He was seriously grieved about those pants. And I'm telling you, we did. We heard about those pants getting torn for years. He still thinks about those pants. So anyway, so I encourage you to come and play Ultimate Frisbee with you where your pants will be ripped off of you. Amen. All right. We take our we take our prayer seriously. We take our worship seriously. We take the word seriously. And we take our play seriously. Amen. All right. So um, I am calling Storehouse to a, the reason that I'm here today uh, is because I love you. And also, I'm calling Storehouse to a 40-day fast. Now, I wanted to give you kind of a heads up because, you know, if you're going to fast, you like kind of a warning beforehand so you can, uh, you know, gorge yourself. I mean, prepare your body for fasting um, before it happens. And, um, and so I wanted to give you a heads up. And I wanted to tell you a little bit about what it's about. Uh, this is actually a global fast. Am I in the middle? Okay. Now I am. Uh, this is actually a global fast, and uh, Lou Engel is calling it. Uh, we're actually doing ours over Lent, but Lou and his group are starting theirs on the 1st of um, March. So we're a little, you know, we're a couple of days off, but um, ours is going to start on February the 26th. So I want to encourage you to jump on board, and I wanted to talk a little bit about what I felt like the Lord was saying uh, to the church. So I want to ask you a question. Do you know Jesus? You know, I've been preaching up here for, gosh, 13 years. But I want to ask you a question, and I want you to ask yourself this question. I want you to see if you actually have an answer to it. Do you know Jesus? And does Jesus know you? That's the question of the hour, I believe. Now, I'm not asking you, do you go to church? I'm not asking you, are you in a life group? I'm asking you the question that I believe is the question of the hour. Do you know Jesus? And does Jesus know you? And so I I called this message 
the anointing oil. Because I believe that the Spirit is raising up a glorious church that will be in communion with God and be empowered by God through the anointing to stand against the gates of hell in the coming days. To shine brightly in the midst of an incredibly dark generation. So I want to talk to you today about three things. I want to talk to you about the prophetic and the timing that I believe that we're in. I want to talk to you about what I believe that God is saying to the church and how he's where he's calling the church into. And I want to talk to you about an anointing that I believe is about to be poured out on the church. And so um, how many of you have uh, saw on Facebook all of the prophecies about Bob Jones and the Kansas City Chiefs? How many of you watch that game? Now, only God can get me to watch a football game. I'm watching that football game like my life depends on it. I'm like, revival! I mean, the people that were at my house were like, whoa, you are so enthusiastic. And I'm like, those Chiefs better win because I'm ready for a revival. So uh, why don't you go ahead and put the picture up? Yes, I actually am posting a picture of a football player. So um, interesting how the world will prophesy. Um, some when the church won't. <laughs> um, so Bob Jones, uh, about 30 years ago, he said, when you see the Kansas City Chiefs win the Super Bowl, then a world... And they just happened to win the Super Bowl and play the Super Bowl on a paladium. What is it called? A paladium? Paladium? Pal I don't know. Whatever. Palindrome? All right. Anyway, it's basically where the numbers that go forwards also go backwards in the same order. So there hasn't been one of those. We had one on, on February the 2nd of 2020, Okay. 02022020, backwards and forwards, same thing. It's like the name Bob. Backwards and forwards, you get the same name, okay? Bob, I love the name Bob. What about Bob? Uh, so, it hasn't happened in 900, like 916 years or something like that. And it's also not going to happen again for another couple of hundreds of years. This is a big deal. So when you've got a prophet that prophesies something and God is putting it on the day that something hasn't happened. So the day was a sign and a marker. The, the game was a sign and a marker. And then Bob, in addition to saying this, he said that this revival would, would, would have within it a, a, a Psalm 15 marker. Well, I don't know about you, but I'm like, how many different prophetic words can they fulfill? So Psalm 15 talks about the power of the spoken word. And, and God is about to pour out his anointing on our words so that the things that we say happen immediately. So we've got all of these things prophesying to us and God is speaking and there has to be a response from the church. 40 day fast. 40-day fast. 
because the kingdom is about to make a comeback. Just as, as, as uh, uh, Lindsay was prophesying that there is actually about to be a comeback of the, of, of the church, not just the church as we know it today, but the church is about to come back in the way that it was originally intended. Amen? Are y'all ready for that? Okay, you can, you can turn off the football picture. All the men are like, yeah, man, that was an awesome game. All right, focus on me. <clears throat> so the Bible speaks of a revived in chime church. The the, it, it speaks of a great harvest, and that's what Bob was talking about. Bob Jones was talking about a harvest that will be a billion-soul harvest. It will be an end-time harvest. There is an end-time church that God is intent on raising up in the midst of a dark generation where there's so much around to occupy our times. But, but there is a company of people within that dark generation that the Holy Spirit is going to begin to stir in where we will leave the things of the culture and come away into the things of God. He will strengthen the church with these three things in the last days. He will strengthen the church with grain, with new wine, and with oil. Grain, new wine, and oil. All right, turn in your Bibles to Joel 2. I was in prayer the other day, and I heard the Lord say to me, this out of Joel 2. Don't y'all love Joel 2? God is raising up an army, a Joel 2 army. And no, I don't want anybody to email me and remind me that that was the Babylonian army. Okay, I'm not talking about Joel 2, chapters 1 through 12. I'm actually talking about Joel starting in verse 12. Chapter 2, verse 12. Actually, we're going to start in, in verse 13. This is what I heard the Lord say to me in prayer. Rend your heart and not your garments. I'm like, oh boy. All right. So rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger of great kindness, and he relents from doing harm. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Consecrate a fast. Call a sacred assembly. Verse 18. Then the Lord will be zealous for his land and pity his people. And the Lord will answer and say to his people, Behold, I will send you grain and new wine and oil, and you will be satisfied by them. I will no longer make you a reproach among the nations. He's saying to his people, Listen, I'm about to pour these three things out. That when you return back to me with your heart, not your garments, I don't want your stuff. I want your heart. I want your heart to be cut. I want your heart to be cut because you, you, your heart is broken that you left your first love. This is a message to the church. This is a message. What I'm saying to you is a message to the church. 
And he's saying, come back to me. Do you know Jesus? And does Jesus know you? Come back to me. Rend your hearts and not your garments. Consecrate yourself. Repent for leaving the place of intimacy and abiding in me. Yeah, it's going to be that day today. All right, I want you to turn in your Bibles to Hosea. It's right before Joel. Okay, you guys know the story of Hosea. Had to marry the prostitute. Had an adultering wife. Turn to chapter 2, verse 14. Therefore, behold, I will allure her and bring her into the wilderness and speak comfort to her. I will give her vineyards from there and the valley of Achor as a door of hope. She shall sing there as in the days of her youth, as in the days when she came up out of the land of Egypt. And it shall be in that day, says the Lord, that I will, that you will call me my husband and no longer call me my master. For I will take from her mouth the names of the Baals and they shall be remembered no more. By their name, no more. Verse 19, I will betroth you to me forever. Yes, I will betroth you to me in righteousness and justice, in loving kindness and mercy. I will betroth you to me in faithfulness, and you shall know the Lord. It shall come to pass in that day that I will answer, says the Lord. I will answer the heavens, and they shall answer the earth, and the earth shall answer with grain, with new wine, and with oil. And then I, I'm like, man, this is amazing. So what is this grain? What is this wine? And what is this oil? What is this? He's talking about communion, and he's talking about the anointing, the anointing that breaks the yoke, the anointing that empowers us, the anointing that goes before us and makes a way for us to go. Oh, man, I'm telling you, there is a glorious exchange that's about to hit the church. There is a glorious exchange that is about to hit your lives. There, but there is, God is requiring a coming home. He's requiring a homecoming. And so I saw this, I saw this here in, in, in chapter 14 of Hosea, this little verse that cut my heart. And I want to read it to you. Chapter 14. Let's start in verse 1. O Israel, return to the Lord your God, for you have stumbled because of your iniquity. Take words with you and return to the Lord. Say to him, take away all iniquity. Receive us graciously, for we will offer the sacrifices of our lips. Verse 3, Assyria shall not save us. We will not ride on horses. And here it is. This is what hit me so hard. Nor will we say any more to the work of our hands, you are our God. Now, I'm speaking to the Western church. I'm speaking to the American church. I am speaking to the American people today. 
because we have raised up our own hands and said, you are my God. We have raised up the work of our own hands and said, look at all of what I've done. Look at this, man. I've got skill. I've got talent. And the Lord's like, hmm. That, to the Lord, is an idol. Anything. Now, an idol isn't necessarily, look, I got this little figurine in my house. I got this idol. No, 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 no. An idol is anything you put your trust in over the Lord. Anything that you have said, this is the way. The way is my way. The way is my way. And he's like, no, 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 no. Now, I know that a lot of you in this room are probably manifesting right now, and you're saying to yourself, but wait, I have to work. I have to, I have to provide for my family. The Lord has given me hands, and, he, and the Lord even says that he will bless my hands. What are you talking about? I'm talking about the anointing and working and letting the anointing do the work instead of you doing the work. I'm, I'm telling you, this is the place where God said in, in Hebrews, I'm going to let you enter into my rest. Now, I'm going to show this to you. Um, I, I, I'm going to show you. The, uh, anyway, he speaks about, let me just say this. He speaks about the grain, the new wine, and the oil all throughout the minor prophets. He speaks about it in Zechariah. He speaks about it over and over and over. In Deuteronomy. All right. He speaks about it in Revelation. Chapter uh, chapter. Is it chapter 8 where he's saying, look, famine's going to come. Oh, no, not chapter 8. It's um, here. I have it written down. Chapter 6. He talks about how famine's going to come on the land. But the people of God are going to have what? Grain, new wine, and oil. Grain, new wine, and oil. Why? Because you're going to be in communion with God, and you're going to have an anointing that's actually going to manifest bread. It's going to manifest food. You're going to be walking in an anointing that is so supernatural. And it's the same thing that happened to Jesus. When he came upon the scene, man, Jesus is hanging out for 30 years. He's not doing anything. What's he doing? Whoa, look at those tables you built. Man, you've got, you're so gifted. But yet, he steps on the scene in Luke 4. And he reads part of Isaiah 61. And he says, the spirit of the Lord has anointed me. Watch out, world. I've got the anointing now to preach the good news, to heal the sick, to cast out the demons, to open the blind eyes. Basically, the spirit of the Lord, I am a man. Jesus is saying, I am a man. But now... Now, I have been anointed by the Spirit of the Lord. Therefore, watch out because I have miracle signs and wonders. And what else happened? And I'm talking to the men in this room and the women who are like manifesting, saying, well, wait a minute. What about work? What about work? I, I want to ask you something. Was Jesus lazy? No. Jesus worked but he worked with the anointing. And in three years, he took 12 guys and he changed the whole world because of the anointing. 
Now, I just want to tell you, I've tried working without the anointing. It's so hard. And I put forth so much time and energy and effort. I'm not talking to you about something I haven't been doing. But I also know what it is to work under the anointing and how I watch the anointing go beyond anything that I could do in my own strength. And all of the sudden, all of the things that my heart desires and all of the things that the Lord has spoken to me and all of the promises that I have, God goes out and he begins to do. What? So there Jesus, Luke 4.18, the spirit of the Lord has anointed him to do the miracles and return God's family back home. So Jesus is his name. He is the Messiah. But Christ is his title. And Christ means the anointed one or the oily one, right? The anointing breaks the yoke. The anointing releases the light yoke. The, the anointing enables you to, to operate in signs, wonders, and miracles. The anointing enables you to operate in wisdom, stature, and favor. Once you have the anointing, guess what? The anointing is going to do the work for you. It will do the work. He said this in Haggai, uh, Haggai chapter 1. He said, listen, you guys are going around and you're building your own houses, and most of what you've done has come to nothing. And he said, I actually did that. It was me. I was not going to allow you to build your own house when my house laid in shambles, meaning when my relationship with you was nothing. It's all about me and you. It's all about love. It's all about the knowledge of God. Oil creates the highest level of productivity because it is supernatural. You cannot burn a lamp without the oil. And that's a metaphor for your life work or your call. Your lamp is your life work or your call. Your, your lamp is your life. You cannot burn. You cannot get to where God's telling you to go, taking you without the oil. And so what I've learned through the years is that I can look really busy, but yet I'm not getting a whole lot done. And I've come to a place in my life, and I believe that this is what the Lord is doing. He's taken the church to the end of itself. Because, you know, we can really put on a pretty good show. I mean, when you've got a lot of wealth, you can put on a really good show. And you can preach a really good message. But without the anointing, who's going to be cut at their heart? Who's going to weep at the word? Who's going to be drawn into a more passionate and hungry relationship with Jesus? Now, I put myself in that category because the church is really busy. We are so busy, man. We are just like little bees. We're just so busy. There's so much to do. And I put myself, listen, guys, this is me. This is me. I'm not throwing stones. I'm throwing a stone that hit me right between the eyes. 
But I have to ask the question, do I really know Jesus? Do you really know Jesus? Do we really know Jesus? And is there transformation in America? I would have to say no. And I bought the lie that God's kingdom could be built from the work of my own hands. And I had to repent of that idol that I had put in my own life. And I'm German, so it takes a lot to get me on my knees. Because I can outwork most people. But for me and my house, we will know Jesus. We will have oil. And when God decides to throw his fire, he'll find a place in this house with oily vessels. You know, when Jesus told his disciples to go to the upper room, they had already been doing miracles in his name. They had his name. But he said, no, I want you to go to the upper room. I want you to wait for the promise. I want you to wait to be anointed. You have to be anointed. You have to receive the oil. But in order to get the oil, you've got to wait in prayer. You've got to cultivate oil with me in the place of prayer. And only 120 out of the how many multitudes that he fed and preached and healed chose to go. And they were ready when Pentecost came. How do you get ready for revival? You cultivate the oil. You cultivate the oil. So there's two different kinds of churches that the Bible talks about. Oil and no oil. In Matthew 25, he referred to the virgins. He said, listen, you've got the wise virgins. You've got the foolish virgins. You've got the ones with the oil. You've got the ones that don't have the oil. The ones with the oil, guess what? They know me, and I know them. They're going to come through that door. They're going to come through that door. And the Lord showed me that in Song of Solomon, chapter 5, you guys know the story. Dark night of the soul, man. I'm there. I don't know how many of you have ever been in the dark night of the soul. It's horrible. But in that place, the Shulamite, so amazing, the Shulamite reaches for the latch of the door and guess what she had on her hands? Myrrh, the death spice. She walks through the door and she realizes that I cannot get to where I'm going by the work of my own hands. Therefore, I chose to, for my hands to be covered in death. And I will not rely on my own hands to get me to the place that you have for me. And she went about the city to pursue him. And she ended up ascending in great power with him. Where he wrote his name, that by the way, it says in chapter 1 of Song of Solomon, verse 1-3, that, that his name was like ointment or oil poured forth. 
And so what happened is her name got written on his arm and her name got written on his heart, which is the very thing that she was asking for. Intimacy and power, intimacy and power. This church, God's church, will be the church of the whole entire earth, will be walking in intimacy and power. The other example of our oil and no oil is our beloved Mary and Martha. Now, if you're a Martha, would you raise your hand? Martha's, please raise your hand. Okay, I'm speaking to you. So Martha, you know the story uh, in Luke. Where is it? Luke, 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 10. Martha's in the kitchen, man. What is she doing? She's working. She's doing the dishes. She's cooking. And she's complaining. Martha's complained. Why? Because we're not seeing the fruit of our, the labor of our hands. Because we're working, and it's making us mad because we're doing all the work, but yet these other people who are doing all the praying, man, they're just seeing it. It's starting to happen for them. What are you talking about? Wait a minute. I don't understand that. I don't have time to pray. I don't have time to come away. I don't have time to cultivate oil. Trust me. Jesus isn't going to tell you to do something and it be the primary source of his, of his encounter with you if, if he knew he made you with no time. I'm telling you, you don't have time because you're not praying, not the other way around. All right. So there's Mary and Martha. And, um, and, and so uh, Jesus tells Martha after she starts complaining, he's like, man, Martha, you are worried. You are worried and stressed out, and you're stressing me out. Stop it. But he's like, Mary, you want her to come over there and be like you, but I'm telling you, man, she chose the good part. So what is Mary doing? Mary is cultivating oil. In fact, it even played out in the natural when she poured oil on Jesus' feet, and it was the very thing that triggered Judas. Judas is like, I am so offended right now. I think I'm going to kill him. How could you allow her to pour out that time? Because it all has to do with time. Time was created for the earth. It's not in heaven. But see, when you, when you operate in heaven and under the anointing, time gets multiplied. Listen to me. It's all about the anointing. So, so she's pouring this oil out. She's pouring her life work out. She's pouring her time out. And he is saying, this is a waste. She is wasting her time, her money, her resources, her energy. For what? What? See, there's many people that will not understand when you cultivate oil. They will accuse you of being lazy. They will accuse you, even the enemy, when you're there trying to do it. Enemy will say, you better get busy. You're be Nothing's happening. You're just sitting in a room praying to an invisible God. This looks ridiculous. But yet it was the oil when their brother died that raised him from the dead. It was the oil the cultivation of oil with Mary 
that caused Jesus to begin to groan. So that Jesus comes and he's like, there, Martha meets him, right? Lazarus is dead. Martha meets him. She's like, my brother would not have died if you would have been here. And he begins to have a doctrinal discussion with her. Martha, busy, busy, busy. Let me talk to you. But then he sees Mary, and Mary runs to him as well and says the very same thing. If you'd have been here, then my brother wouldn't have died. And Jesus is cut to the heart. He is so moved by her. Mary, who sits at his feet and cultivates oil. And he begins to groan with intercession. He begins to weep because of Mary's heart. He can feel they're so connected. The bridegroom and the bride, the love, the intimacy. He is moved by her to actually raise the dead. And a lot of us need the dead raised in our life. But we're over there in Martha going, well, if I just work harder, then I'll see the dead raised. I'll see my, my account that's empty. I'll see all of these injustices happen, changed. I'll see all of these. You've got the laundry list. And I'm telling you, what he is actually saying is that that's not going to get it done anymore, church. The anointing. Judas put, uh, the Jews put the mezuzah. Do y'all know what a mezuzah is? Mezuzah, it's the little, uh, they put the mezuzah on the doorpost. The Jews put the mezuzah on the doorpost. And so it, as a remembrance of, of God's spoken word to them. This mezuzah has two scriptures in it. One from Deuteronomy 6 and the other from Deuteronomy 7. And this is what it says. Deuteronomy 6, 5. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And then Deuteronomy 11. And it shall be that if you earnestly obey my commandments, which I command you today to love the Lord your God and serve him with all your heart, with all your soul, then I will give you the rain for your land in its season, the early rain and the latter rain, that you shall gather in your grain, your new wine and your oil. It's a promise. It's about communing with God and cultivating the oil. As you sow oil, oil will be poured out on you. As you sow oil, oil will be poured out on you. And, and the anointing will do the work. Amen? All right, so I'm calling a fast, 40 days. Hallelujah. Now, here's my challenge to you. I'm not just going to call a fast because without the prayer because that's just basically a diet, right? And I realize it's like we're all, you know, working out and everything. But I would like to challenge you to 10 hours of prayer per week. It's a great starting point. You can start there and then work your way up. 10 hours a week. And I know what you're saying to yourself right now. What? It's hard for me to pray. I can't pray 10 minutes without falling asleep. But let me encourage you with something. So since uh, Bliss went to, uh, graduated to be with the Lord, 
I decided to do a 365 day challenge. So I run every day. I run a mile a day. That's 365 miles. No, is that right? Yeah, 365 miles I'll run by the end of the year. Praise the Lord. But when I first started, let me just tell you how bad that looked. Have y'all ever seen that show, Friends, where Phoebe was running? I'm not good at this. I used to be good, you know, when I was 20. And when I was a teenager, I'm like, what happened? Like something happened to my body. I don't know. But so so I'm running, and I, I, I ran like like a third of a mile, and I thought I was going to die. I'm like... I don't know. Well, I'm going to run again tomorrow, so I guess I don't have to really push myself too hard, right? But at least I was out there. But it didn't look very pretty. And But now I've been doing it for, I don't know, it's six weeks now, and I'm awesome. I'm running like a nine-minute mile. I'm like, whoo, come on. I don't know. For those of you that are runners, you're probably like, whoa, step it up. But it was like 11 and a half minute, 12 minute mile. And somebody said, is that really running? I think that's more like a walk. (laughs) So the point is, look, prayer is something that you just do and you keep doing it until you get it right. Because, guys, I, I, I want us to be in Christ. I want us to be in the anointing. I want us to be in Christ. I want to go through the door of the kingdom, and I don't want him to say you don't have oil in your lamp. And look at how hard you worked. Man, that would be really a bad day. Because a lot of us work really hard. But I want to encourage you not to work hard, but to work smart. So I'm asking you to join us for these 40 days, and I really encourage you to come to to the prayer room. It's a great way. I mean, it's just like they've been digging this well of oil. You know, we're called the honey hole. And you just come in here and there's, and it's like it's already been cultivated and you step into it and it's so easy to encounter the Holy Spirit here. It's so easy to encounter the oil in this place. So I encourage you to come. But if you can't come, make a plan. It's 40 days. Make a plan. And I promise you that if you do this 10 hours a week, at the end of it, you will be like, I can't live without this. That's how you know. That's how you know that you've got it. That you are in Christ, that you are there, that you are that, and 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 I and and the only thing I can think of to 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 tell you about it is this, or to compare it to. I remember when I was first dating John, and there were a lot of other guys who were wanting to date me. And I had actually been asked several times to get married, and I was like, there are so many guys that I could have lived with, but there was only one guy that I couldn't live without, and it was him, and I still feel that way today. 
And really, that's what love is. It's the one you can't live without. And, and so when you get in that place of prayer and you start cultivating it and you start getting familiar with him, what happens is that when you leave that place, you miss it. And you're like, man, I miss him. Not I miss prayer. Not I miss reading the Bible. I miss, I miss reading the Bible because the Bible makes me cry because I see Jesus in the Bible. I, I miss prayer because of Jesus. I just want to be with him. I can't live without him. And so on that, I, I want you guys to think about it. I don't know um, if you're going to do food. I encourage you to do food because, you know, it's really the best way I feel like to do it. Um, and I think um, really fasting, not praying, is is good. Um, so that's really all I wanted to say today and share that with you. I love all of you, and I just am excited about what the Lord's about to do in us, what he's about to do in the church, how he's about to resurrect his church, and, 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 uh, and the outpouring of fire on the anointed ones. And I can't wait to burn. So let's stand. I'm just going to pray over you. As you prepare your heart, you prepare your refrigerator, you prepare, prepare your smoothies for your fast. Uh, John and I are going to do um, uh, liquid fast. Um, that doesn't mean water only. We're going to do probably smoothies and, and um, broth and, and liquidy soups. And that's what we've chosen to do and felt like that's what the Lord was saying. So I just encourage you to pray and ask the Lord what it is that he wants you to do. Um, it could be social media. It could be, I don't know what it's going to be, but it's got to be painful. It's got to hurt. It's got to be something that comes at a cost where you're like, wow, this is really hard for me not to look at the social media on my phone. This is really hard for me. Whatever it is you feel like the Lord is leading you to do. So, Father, I thank you for what you're doing in the earth, God. I thank you that we've entered into 2020. Father, I thank you for an anointing that is coming on your people. Would you pour out your oil? Would you give us the grace to cultivate this, Lord? Return us back to the stronghold of hope. Return us back to the stronghold of your love, God. Would you help us, Father? Would you rend our hearts and not our garments? I ask you, God, for these things, that we would lay down the work of our hands, God, that we would say, God, we want it, but we want it through your anointing. Would you pour out your oil on us as we give ourselves to you in the place of prayer? Would you come, Lord, and show us, and would you resurrect us that we would prefer, we would uh, draw near, we would desire you in the secret place. God, teach us what it is to live this life, to make this great exchange, God. Would you pour out your fire on us even now, Father, your grace to begin to do these things. Give us the grace to pray. Give us the time to pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.